0: we interview people who made a powerful impact on the culture music and the community as a whole I'm so joined by SP and Nev. we ask that you subscribe to the powerful impact YouTube channel and follow us on social media tonight we got a special guest I'm honored to have him here tonight known as Jeff Walker the creator of Rhymecology also he's referred to as Rhymecology because he's also a rhyme master a rap coach and a qualified mental health professional so tonight we're going to break it down what Rhyme College is all about. We're going to talk about upcoming projects. And more importantly, we want you to stay and stay tuned because we got a lot for you on this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and get the I'm going to go ahead and get it started off right. First of all, I want to thank you again for joining us because we consider it a privilege having you here. And we're just excited to talk about your story. But mm-hmm. I just want to talk about your beginning because everything has a beginning. And we want to know what your beginning is. So where are you from originally and how did how did that it shape you personally and professionally.
1: So, peace, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to say that the way that I was brought up probably does have a big, a, a big, powerful impact on. Um, All right, dope. On the on the way uh, on my on me professionally. Okay. So I, I grew up over I actually lived overseas. Um, and mm-hmm. I lived in six different countries. Oh, wow. For the That's time a... I was 12. Actually, yeah. six different continents. Oh, About five continents. Okay. But anyway, so okay. I moved around a lot. So yeah. it was kind of like you couldn't, I couldn't really find my place because I'd go from living in Singapore to living in Argentina to living in Dubai. And it's like, you can't, it's hard to really like create roots anywhere. And so I was always kind of looking for uh, uh, something to really grab a hold on, you know, because you're changing friends every two years as well. Um, so that helped me because it, I think it made me more personable and sociable and and social and and, and able to connect with different people. But it really, when uh, when I really got a hold of sports and and, and hip hop, uh, that's when I finally found that thing that I loved and the thing that I was able to really sink my teeth into so weirdly my moving around um, bouncing around kind of like led me into needing to find a place to be and that ended up being
0: um, in hip-hop well you know it's interesting you said that because uh, one thing I like about they say music is a universal language I, I want to put hip-hop in place of the word music I feel like hip-hop is a universal language because it speaks to all people on different continents, different countries. And you talked about how you had a, you have a vast experience. You went to, you lived in different places and you came in contact with hip hop. And from what you're telling me, it sounds like that just changed everything for you. So I just wanna, I wanna know because everybody, I call it your hip hop love story is when you first fell in love with hip hop. And since you brought it up in your, basically in your introduction from the first question I asked, what is your hip hop love story? What made you fall in love with hip hop? Was there a particular song or, Music video. We can, all of us have different experiences, but what was yeah. yours?
1: Um, like I loved, I loved raising hell.
0: Okay, Run DMC. Um, all right.
1: But but that was just like that was kind of normal. Mm-hmm. I think I think when Easy does it and Straight Out of Compton came out, okay, started to get into it. But that was a little more because it was just really taboo. It wasn't like mm-hmm. wasn't like like I was like a like a suburbs kid listening to this. And I have this poem where I'm talking about, you know, Ice Cube saying, fuck the police was mm-hmm. me. It was resonated with me because I was saying, fuck my parents divorced that led me to a new school every two years. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was like that that anger, that energy that he was portraying. I was able to match mm-hmm. because of like I told you, all those moves and, and the, the, the split up and then being stuck in these different places. So okay. I reson- So that brought me in. That re- Like I started to resonate. I was like, ooh, I'm angry too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of rode out through high school as I was in Bay Area at that time. I rode out high school with uh, Pac and Spice One and MC8, and I was very gangster rap oriented. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely.
1: It was matching me. But to, an- to get to the question really is when I heard Fast Life, okay and cool g rap. oh yeah
0: definitely classic that's,
1: that's what changed that's what changed everything for me because i mm-hmm. had been listening to it for different reasons listening to hip-hop for different reasons but when i heard that track i said wait a minute he's rhyming over here and over here and over here mm-hmm. and the syllables are dink dink wait a minute hold on i mm-hmm. thought it was just i thought people just did two syllables wait hold on this guy's doing mm-hmm. three fours and my my neuron everything started firing off <laughs> yeah and so i, I i was on the air i remember i was on an airplane and i wrote i wrote it down hey yo i got guns from italy smoke trees considerably mm-hmm. I, I started to write and then i was like this is where it's at and mm-hmm. so that that was the real song that turned me into a fan of the lyricism mm-hmm. um, and then from there i went forward and then was able to go backwards because i wasn't as as hip to rakim at that mm-hmm. time like and, and and all that, but then, the the on's you know it's it's been on ever since. Let's just yeah, say.
0: yeah, and I know that you mentioned when we talked briefly, you was talking. Well, you talked about cool G rap, but it, I can tell that you're really into lyricism. There was something I was talking about um, earlier today. I said, you know, and you can let me know if this statement is correct or incorrect. But I was just saying anybody can do rap, but it takes skills to be an MC. You know what I'm saying? Because there's an art to emceeing versus just putting rhymes together and saying you're rapping. Um, what is your viewpoint on that? Do you think there's a difference between rapping and emceeing, or do you see them as synonymous as the same?
1: No, I definitely think there's a difference. Um, I also think there's a difference between uh, uh lyricists mm-hmm. and rappers. Mm-hmm. Um, MC means move the crowd, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. so while some like you know some, some 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 dudes some some artists like they might have the rhymes, like like to be honest like like Rock rakim who said moved the crowd like he's yes. a, he's a different kind of mc on stage than krs is
0: mm-hmm. that's true but
1: when it comes to the record like they're both mcs and so yes. i liked the way I, I look at it like lyricists I, mm-hmm. I i think there's lyricists and there's rappers um and so like people like you know like you know, we're talking like Mickey Fax earlier and Elzai yeah. Eye and nope. Feral Monch. These are my oh, kind yeah. of this um, oh, yeah. uh, more than like, like, say someone like maybe like a Fat Joe or someone who's just he's like a dope rapper. Mm-hmm. You know, like these guys are great rappers, but Big Pun is a lyricist, more of a lyricist than Fat mm-hmm. Joe might have been. Right. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. the way that he took the way he took time to make sure it was four syllables in a rhyme mm-hmm. and that rhyme stretched out three or three or four lines, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, that to me, that's the difference when you're like, you wanna use different tools, you wanna use different techniques um, and, and you wanna, I wanna use some alliteration right here. Mm-hmm. I wanna have an internal rhyme right here. I wanna make sure that this is a double or triple entendre right here. Okay, To me, that's a lyricist compared to
2: what we all know as rappers.
0: Okay.
2: I th- I think Crook is so underrated in that area because the way he puts those schemes those his schemes together and his um his way of writing is fascinating to me.
1: You, who did you say? Did you say crooked?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: No, <laughs> like what what Crooked did with the weeklies
2: yeah that
1: that's like one of the most impressive things to me that I've uh, heard in in a a long time like he did a weekly and every week he had double entendres he had wordplay he said he's he said he said something about pour out pour something out uh something about crooked and then he said eyes eyes missed for the guys uh Eyes missed for the uh, what he say? Oh man, he has he has. Anyway, I, I feel you get crazy wordplay, um, and I think that he's super underrated in that. I totally agree with you in that.
2: Oh yeah, he. Uh, when I when I heard him say, "Hey, bruh, I go ham for dead presidents," and everything and- I say go over your head like a boom mic, and I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. I got everything, but when he's when he said the a- abra ham yeah. <laughs> I go ham for dead president. And then he said that's what I'm in the booth like. So then he had uh, the yeah. John Wilkes booth.
1: John Wilkes booth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and that yeah, that's a lyricist right there. That's a lyricist. Thank thank God for him on the West Coast. We need him.
2: Oh yeah. I,
1: um, I said, I said, what I once I said, I I used to eat tons of ham in Illinois. Now I, now I'm seeing Hamilton with my boys. So I like, I, I took the
3: ham. Hamilton
1: and flipped it into tons of ham mm-hmm. in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And why did mm-hmm. I say it? Anyway, yeah, stuff like that is like, that's, yeah, that's what excites me.
0: Yeah, that wordplay, yeah, I'm hitting meanings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it,
2: it's the same way I feel about. Uh, I watched um, you and Mickey Facts breaking down race, mm. and I looked at that. I listened to that, and it was just a masterclass in lyricism. When when even the album, even the cover art was ly- was was a double. You know what I mean? Mm,
1: right, right. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, and we just broke down. Uh, uh four bars <laughs> in, in that, yeah. in that, we broke down four bars. And I mean, you could have done that 20 to 20 different times on that track alone. Yeah, he's, it's yeah, crazy. Um, but you know, it takes people like us to appreciate it, uh, to, to keep someone like him going, you know, to notice it. Uh, and that's why we connected is because he knows, you know, how I take this seriously. And, um, You know, just people want to be appreciated. And so at that time, he he read an article, Mickey Fax read an article I wrote um, called The Evolution of Rhyming in Hip Hop. Oh, and um, it was like a 25 page article I wrote and from from Busy B, you know, Sugar Hill to Busy B all the way to where we're at now. And like so he reached out to me and was like, thank you for what you're doing. And then we've been friends ever since.
2: So what do you think of some of the changes of um the notable changes in lyricism over the years? I mean kind of like a lyricist history.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a long it's a long answer but it it's everything. It's um you know when when it started we were coming out of the, the disco like like basically disco era so of course the Rhymes were you know if you're a Sagittarius, what well, you know put your hands in the air like that that kind of party rhymes, which yeah, cool, but then when Comodi cool um took down Busy Bee at Harlem world in I think nineteen eighty one with the ba, put that bullshit on hold, you know and mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to what he say I don't mean to be i don't mean I don't mean to be bold but put that ba bullshit on hold. And, and 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 he just tore them up lyrically. I think that was like one of the shifting points because it went from party rhyme to lyrical rhyme, um, and, and also dissing diss diss rhyme as well. This like a, it was one of the oh. first diss tracks. So something like that was big. And then when Run DMC came out, they had a lot of like internal rhymes. They had the end rhyme, but they always had like almost you can you can see there's a science to it on Raising Hell. There's like uh, always in two internal rhymes in between the end rhymes, so that that was big. But then Rakim changed everything. I mean, Rakim changed everything. Yeah, uh, because he then uh, really made multisyllabic rhyming. He painted, really started painting pictures. He also had cliffhanger sentences. He also had cliffhangers like uh, um, uh, 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 played a fish which is my favorite dish like like play to play to play to rhyme with before so fish then was the beginning of the next line so like people weren't really doing that they always ended Mm -hmm. it was always an end rhyme so um then when so where rakim did that in all of that he changed everything for a generation then then i say nas came in with the poetics street poetry um just different ways of using words um, then I think, you know, Jay-Z and P. Diddy with the materialism and all that, I like, kind of shifted us in a different way, but it took over for a lot. And then we had the backpack era, and you know, most and Talib and all them like brought kind of brought it back again. So it's just, this, it's always this cycle. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, I'm you know, not to go through every single period, but it's, it's changed a lot. Um, and there's always two things that it feels like there's always two things that are present in, you know, whatever's kind of like hot, whether it's the, you know, the Migos recently or the hot boys then, or the, then there's always a flip side to it. And it's always there. You just, you just got to be able to find it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a a bit of an answer.
2: Don't you get, uh, um, I always say I kind of wish there was more. Um, there was there was still a more even playing field. You know, you know what I mean. A, a more of a balance in, you know, mm-hmm. rocking the party and actually saying something.
1: <sighs> you know that is a good point. The first group that the first thing that came to mind when you said that was Jurassic Five. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had like that party upbeat, but also dope rhymes. And I can't think of too many, you know, that were really not yeah, not too many people do that. It's like you have your conscious, quote conscious MCs, you have your party MCs, you got your gangster rappers, you got your da-da-da. But yeah, they it's hard to kind of blend them. Um, I mean, obviously with Mace, what Mace and Biggie and they they all did was just straight like they, they just smashed yeah. them together somehow with, with the old samples and all but i'm with you i'm with you on that
2: i, I um i think that it, it was just more of a balance even on the records it was more of a balance because even the conscious artist had some sort of party song miss fat booty or, you know something
1: then said yeah. a little while ago yeah miss fat right right uh <laughs> Yeah, it did seem like records back then. Like you, you had you tried to have like one or two, one or two quote radio friendly tracks, like Sugar, like A.Z. You know, A.Z. with Sugar Hill. Like he, he, he's like, I don't want to put this track out. I remember he's like, I don't want to put it out because you know it, it just seems kind of corny. Like Biggie didn't want to put out, uh, uh he didn't want to put out uh, his big hit uh, on Ready to Die. Like say it was the same idea. Like they didn't want uh-huh. to it didn't feel real, but then because they did, that's where they got the notoriety, and then they still have all those amazing other tracks on there. So it does feel uh-huh. like a little bit different now. Um like people get a lane and they kinda stick with it, right?
2: Yeah. And and, and I, I think it's a um it's a shame because the reason I still listen to um Eminem, is because I just never know what he's going to do. You know, it, he, you, you never know what you're going to get. It's the reason I love Crook. It's the reason I love um, Joel Ortiz. You you just, a Mickey Facts, you just never know if you're going to get just a hard boom fab, if you're going mm-hmm. to get, some, get a message across. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the surprise has gone out. The surprise. I'm no longer, you know, listening all, to the album and be like, "Did he just say what I think he said?" And then you have to go back and rewind it, the replay,
1: the rewind. the The other thing is, though, we've been listening, we've been listening for so long. We've heard, <laughs> we've heard everything, right? So there's, there's also that, like. Like what? Like like why am I going to be impressed by J Cole when I heard Big Daddy Kane do something similar? You know what I mean? Or like, uh-huh. so like we, we kind of have like we've heard it done in a certain way for so long. Like it's almost like it's hard to probably hard to impress us. That's you know that's why I guess I get into I really get into like the the, the, the structure and the patterns now of uh-huh. listening to like Elzai or Pharaoh or someone do things like, whoa, wait, wait. He he just said he said he said something about, you know, Giuliani ship men to the pen. And then he's and then he has penmanship in the next line, like we were saying a, or a second ago. So ship uh-huh. men to the pen. My my you see how this penmanship is those kind of things like are exciting to me now. But it's partly because you know we've heard so much. Like we've we've been through so much. Uh-huh.
2: So when it comes to the new artists, who are you? Who, who are you listening to? Do you do you have any newer artists that's kind of like you? You, you were kind of hmm. hmm. Newer artists. They might have something.
1: As I'm literally gonna look at my 21, 2021 playlist to see who I've been uh, listening to. There no <laughs> no nobody's new. Nobody's new. These are these are people with new songs like. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean I, I I appreciate some of the uh, like what Benny and Conway are doing just because they do it so consistently and they mm-hmm. and they I can't believe you can talk about one topic so often and still be fresh. So they're kind of impressive for that. Um,
2: well, Pusha T been doing that since he came up. <laughs> right. Right. He's been consistently on that topic,
1: and right. I want to hear it
2: every time he comes
1: out. Right, right. Same same idea. New artists. Who? I? Uh, J, I, I liked this JR project this year. Oh, the, yeah. JR, uh, I really like that. I mean, new for me is like, like Locksmith is new to me because, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, like homeboy Sand, like these, none of these guys are new, new. So I, I, I can't like say homeboy Sandman, dope MC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, He's not new, but like, like you know, compared to the golden era, I guess he is. And so I,
3: uh,
2: I guess yeah.
1: she means, I guess she means like the last decade or so.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I've been, um, yeah, I, yeah I've yeah. been trying to uh, rappers undig my head from our era, which is so hard, but. I found a few like um West Side Boogie. I really love what he's doing. I love what Jid is doing. I, I'm I'm really into um Corday. Um oh, God Griff, the the artist that um signed with Shady, he's he's pretty dope. Um Graff. Graff. Graph is it graph or?
1: No, well, no, graph. Yeah. You said graph, but I'm I'm saying grapple. So,
2: yeah. I'm
1: crazy lyricist. Yeah,
2: yeah. They they they're. I I try not to um. Stay buried just because you know, I want to see where we're going. You you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I do. I want to see if we if if we've left this in good hands. <laughs>
1: I do, uh, man, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I, I, know, I don't know what to say about that because I'm looking, at, I'm looking at my, I was just looking at my 2021 playlist and it's like apathy, AZ, so I was like, JR, okay, there's JR, there's one guy I can, I can, Napoleon, the legend, that's my guy, I like what Napoleon, Paige Kennedy, yeah, I don't know, I'm just kind of like flipping through, like seeing if there's anyone new, new. Uh, I guess Russ is kind of new. He had, a, he had a few good tracks on his album that just came out this week. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you could tell I'm, I'm not, like, finger to the <laughs> – I, yeah. I don't have my pulse on, like, what's happening with new new dudes, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like um, – I, Saragi. I anyway. said, God Dog and Jay Electronica is going to make me have to listen to a Russ album.
1: <laughs> right. I was actually listening to the Jay Electronica mixtape uh, uh-huh. I came across like an old blank CD and it just said J-Electronica mixtape. And I was like, oh, wow, that was so good.
3: Victory. <laughs>
1: I, I just I just had, it's just like a blank disc that's just labeled as mixtape. So I don't even know. I think it might be a mix of different mixtapes, to be honest. You know, I, I probably like took all my favorite ones and burned it onto a disc or something. But it was pretty refreshing to hear. We haven't had a moment like Exhibit C in a long no, time, nah, that, that moment, movie. man. I'm in New York and I don't know if it's biased or whatever. When that hit, it was like pause, everything was stopped. Yeah. I, I want
0: another moment like that
1: in hip hop, just right? Yeah, well, we definitely didn't get it from him. Um, no, Toby's had some cool stuff recently, obviously, and a few years. Back a few years back now, Kendrick had a few like of those that I thought were powerful like that. Um, but I mean none of them are as good to me as Exhibit C. That was just pure,
3: powerful
2: boom.
1: Pure beauty. Yeah.
2: So um what made you uh decide to pursue a career in music?
1: Um, that, nah, School G-Raps on Fast Life, <laughs> probably, um, that, like, that just opened up this box, and then everything Ooh. I started to study from then on, just, like, it just kept amazing me, and listening to early 2000s artists who were doing crazy rhyme things, like Lewis Logic, and, like, sage francis people who were like rhyming like eight words in this line like it just for some reason it just really excited me the the actual rhyming and writing process but i hadn't like really performed i had i had written a few things but i i started out in la doing like slam poetry Mm -hmm. um but my my poetry was always hip-hop based i was like dubbed the hip-hop poet out here um so i would infuse those rhymes and uh the rhyming techniques and patterns and like usually have hip-hop references in my pieces you know i wasn't like just the poet up there talking about society it was all like hip-hop stuff for me so eventually kind of like i started to record more tracks and um kind of used kind of used my rhyming in different places like I, i i got I started to rhyme for uh, Fox Sports. Uh, I would do like you know how Skills does the wrap-up thing. Like I would be doing the like a daily wrap-up for Fox, uh-huh. Fox Sports Radio, um, but in less time than Skills would do it because I would literally be in the studio um, doing it like within 15 minutes, having to wrap up the show. Uh, so like I, so I. Oh, so that, that, was, that, that, was like a, that was also a big thing. At the time I was doing the spoken word shows, I was doing the um, uh, Fox Sports wrap-ups, mm-hmm. which, which led to me um, creating a song about Kenny Smith in, from Inside the NBA, which led to them playing the entire video and song on Inside the NBA during the playoffs um, years back. And Shaq and Barkley singing my song, Kenny needs an Emmy. Kenny needs an Emmy. Uh, it, was called, it was called Kenny needs an Emmy. And I was like, how come, sh- you know, how come Shaq and Chuck, come- they got all the Emmys. I'm like, Kenny's the glue that keeps this thing together. Um, so that was like a, kind of like a 15 minutes of fame thing. Um, uh, so yeah, for those, those things. And then, you know, and then as I cultivated relationships over the years and I, I just started to, you know kind of sit down and record just record more like and just recording more and I still haven't put out what I consider a great project and I think that's just what's coming in this next year Um, all these years later it's it's a crazy thing a crazy thing
2: so with all the with all the hip hop you've heard heard over the years um, what was what's a bar that you heard that you still use just every day as a you know for as an example of great lyricism?
1: I switched my motto instead of saying "fuck tomorrow." That buck that bought the bottle could have struck the lotto. <laughs>
2: That's nice.
1: Uh, that that's 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 gotta be one. Um I have my own bar. What was my own one? Uh uh but one of one of my own one of my own bars is for every for every person that's chasing their dreams. We got ten that are stuck in the spaces between. It's one of mine that I think is pretty powerful. For every person yeah. chasing their dreams, we got ten that are stuck in the spaces between. Mm-hmm yeah yeah so those those are one 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 nas one rhymcology but those are two 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 that hit me i i also love cool modi i don't write i build a rhyme Mm oh yeah i don't need i don't need the line before it the punch the 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 setup line i don't need just right there i don't write i build a rhyme because that shows like the architecture behind it to me Mm -hmm. to me that's powerful when
2: um, said, when uh, I know you work with kid, Ke- you work with um the I- inner city. You do you mm-hmm. get a kick out of seeing the looks on their faces when they actually hear a lyricist?
1: Um. Yes, it's a let's see. It's kind of a double sided question because let's see. Yeah, most of them. Most of them, obviously, you know, I was, I worked, so I worked for 15 years in, oh. in Compton and Long Beach. And uh, most just did not, they didn't know anything about the lyricism or the artists that we talk about. So you have, like, you'd have to go in and listen to, you know, what they're listening to and then maybe it'd be able to offer something else. And so, but it would also have to be on the right topic. Uh, so I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it hit right. Sometimes it hit right. Like mm-hmm. uh, I remember, I was working with a, a young lady who was always being disrespected. Um, you know, talking about her butt size or this and that. All you know, she had been had some issues at school with boys or whatever. And when I played her uh, Latifa, RESPC. You know, when I played her you and you know, you and
2: what? Well,
1: all those. like it was like what? I thought, and so, you know, she's came in that, in that era, especially, oh. some, some female MCs have really made a great charge in like the last five, eight years, but like maybe 15 years ago or so, it was mm-hmm. real shaky. It was hard to find anyone really bringing it then. So I had to go back to Latifa, and she the smile, always, the smile was like, like, Wow. Uh-huh. Who are you calling a bitch? was it was like it was so powerful. So I the answer is you know the the level that we're talking about, I had it's it was it was sometimes hard to reach, but giving them a chance to write their own rhymes, uh-huh. that was the therapeutic part because I could uh guide them enough so that it would become something therapeutic. Um and, you know, maybe the first first thing they wrote was about whatever topic they wanted. And I say, hey, what if we flipped it this way? And then it became something, you know, more powerful because they all had such powerful stories. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the story, the stories are amazing.
0: So I, do, I have a question about you. I kind of want to dig into your and. Dig into your history or get our audience a chance to know more about you. And one of the things that I want to ask you about is already on your hoodie. Um, how did you come up with your name? And does it have any specific meaning or significance as far For as sure. rhymecology is concerned?
1: For sure. All um, right. Well, rhymecology helps people express, discover, and create themselves mm-hmm. through the use of written and spoken word. Mm-hmm. So some people could call it hip hop therapy, but I don't. I don't consider myself a. I'm not a licensed therapist, um, but I'm a qualified mental health professional who worked with youth for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, hip hop therapy or not, rhymecology is the combination of the art of rhyming and psychology. So, so rhyme-cology, psychology of rhyme. All right. Um, and it kind of, it, you know, it came to me I, years ago. I was, I remember I was writing in a journal and I literally, it was like, man, it was like 15, 15 uh, more than 15 years ago. I still had this journal and I drew this bridge and I, I wrote hip hop on one side of the bridge and I wrote psychology on the other. And I drew that thing and then psychology, uh, rhymecology came out of it. And then I heard cannabis say, uh, "I'm a rhyme psychiatrist." He said that <laughs> in, like mixtape mix or something. And so, rhyme psychiatrist, and then between the bridge, it became, "I'm a rhymecologist. That's a
2: dope. And I am a rhymeologist. I've seen you work. Yes, you are.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad to do what you do because I think we need that arena for the culture. And I think it's good that you're working with youth because some of our youth are misguided, like you were talking about how you provided the young lady uh, opportunity to hear Queen Latifah. Um, you know, you and I-T-I, I T-I, I mean T.Y. And you know, one of the the one of the lines that stands out, who are you calling the bitch? You know, I'm not. A, we're not a bitch or a hoe because when you listen to the music today, that's what's being emphasized. Even some people have taken on that that title. You know, they say, yeah, I'm the baddest bitch. You know, you see that happening. Mm-hmm. So it's good that you challenge that thought process. You could go ahead and speak to that, but it's that's good that you challenge that thought process.
1: That's such a good point. Like it's become mm-hmm. it's become, yeah, the I'm a bad bitch. Like that, mm-hmm. like it that's be right, it's become a thing. And mm-hmm. and it, so many of these words that are in the hip hop dialect, and I don't know why. Like we we flipped them to try to make them empowering, I guess, but mm-hmm. the roots are still you know, the roots are not, empowering. <laughs> they're not. Mm-hmm. And, but for someone to say, who you calling a bitch? Mm-hmm. I punched him dead in his eye. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, that's just, it's such a rare thing to hear. Um, still, still to this day, like they're still not doing, like if you're, you're just, it seems like they're now taking on the stereotype and be- uh-huh. becoming empowered. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to empower themselves through the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm the baddest bitch. I'll do this in bed. I'll do, you know, da 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 mm-hmm. da. Like it's like they've taken that on, the, and instead of like fighting it off, they they're like embodying it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is only doubling down on the original. My humble opinion. I okay, well,
3: well, we, we, we want your don't, opinion.
2: I, don't yeah. you kind of think that kind of um, came around in the in the '90s when? The, we went from queens to bitches and hoes. Bitches bitch. ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I, um, I think somehow we've tried to take those words and make them empowering because they weren't going anywhere. It seemed mm, like
3: mm, the mm.
2: more they complained about it, the more they doubled down on it.
3: Mm, you mm. know? So right.
2: I, I think people had to figure out I think as with most things, just like the N-word, then you find a way to take the power away from it.
0: Got it. I could see that. I can see that. Yep yeah i think both perspectives are good i think we need to explore that deeper um i know we don't have the luxury of talking about it tonight because tonight we're here to honor your your journey and the different things that you offer uh with ryan college but i do want to but I. but that's definitely a conversation that needs to be had in the culture as far as symbolism and different things of that nature i think we need to definitely dive deep into that i kind of want to i i heard your conversation with sp and you hit on a lot of things one You were talking about how you were considered the hip-hop poet, if I said it correctly. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when it comes to rhyming or emceeing, most of the, some of the MCs that you know today are some of the ones in the past. I speak of Pac in particular in this case, they were poets or he was a poet. You know what I'm saying? And some people don't realize that poetry is directly linked to rhyming or emceeing in this case. I'll use that in this context, emceeing. Um, and you also talked about Kim, how he transformed a generation and a generation is usually considered, you know, 50 years. So he made a significant impact on the culture. But now, since we kind of talked about emceeing, we talked about lyricism and things of that nature. Let's look at it. Let's look at it from a, another way. Let's look at it from this perspective. What do you think of some of the differences as far as like between cadence, flow and delivery? Because you hear that now, like, you know, he's, oh, he got dope lyrics. Sometimes people say he got a dope delivery, or he got a dope flow, or I like his cadence. What do you think of some of the differences um, based on your experience
1: um, between between current generation and and like golden era?
2: Just the, just the I would idea. Like I would like you to explain the difference in the words because people use these words all the time, and I don't believe they know what they mean. They they're just Oh, his cadence is is dope, but they don't they have no earthly idea where the cadence is.
1: Right. I, I if I was if I was gonna answer that, I probably would be thinking of it on the fly because I I don't think I've ever really put that into words exactly. Flow, that. cadence, delivery, um, delivery, flow, cadence. I, really? I, they're yeah, they're all they they all they all they're all in a similar family it feels like mm-hmm. um, so probably couldn't answer that in in the in the way that you might be looking for so I, I probably won't even tackle that um, I just no know that, you know they, they they try to say that today's artists are more melodic like mm-hmm. they're a little more like I just w- had a call earlier today with someone who was listening to some tracks for my new record um, and he's like he's like, oh he's trying to be a little more melodic, because your delivery is ding ding ding, ding, ding oh. And he's like, he's like, you know, you gotta have a little more. And and I'm like, okay, all right, taking notes down. So like, um, I, you know, this seems like the uh, where we're at now is super um, melodic, but the problem is the the melodic is lacking the the the, the content. Um, uh uh-huh. And you know, I mean, you can't tell me Big Daddy Kane wasn't melodic. Like uh-huh. when when he was you know confused and lose all like when he was that was R A W. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was mm-hmm. different melody. It was more like a drum melody rather than a, you know, a string melody, I guess. Um
2: Or even the Cold Crush Brothers, you know, the all of them were melodic.
1: Right. And yeah, you- I, I yeah I don't I think that they're I think that. It's always been melodic, but it just changes, uh-huh. and it it probably depends on where we're at as a society and a, as, and as a culture, um, in that when we need to get a message across. So so the 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 generation who came after like Golden Age and pe- the raucous and the backpack era like we all they uh-huh. put all, they put the messages out. So so then the the new guys didn't have to. They just kind of rode this rode these melodies and these waves and these flows. Mm-hmm. And all that. But it was like, how could you put it? How could you do something, you know, you know, uh, like Black Star when they are when they just did it? Is like it, so. Anyway, I just think that it maybe it depends on you know where we're at in in this generational cycle of hip hop and society. Um, you know, and so sometimes the melody and the whatever they want to say, the cadence is now a little more important for new artists than, you know, what they're actually saying on a track.
0: You know, a question, I, I, I keep, it keeps coming to my mind, so I got to ask the question because I know one of the things you do, you break down lyrics and things of that nature and, you know, explain the significance of it. I harken back to that song, um, Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five, The Message. I feel like that's one of the first, in my opinion, one of the first conscious raps, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because he was talking about things that were happening. He was talking about Reaganomics during the time of Reaganomics. And, you know, I don't know if he had the opportunity to really just dive into that and break it down or anything like that. But if you're just able to give some quick feedback on that, how do you think that song, one, changed affected the culture? And if he was able to break down the significance of it, you know, I want to get your opinion on
1: that. It changed everything. OK, it changed everything um, because it was the first it was the first snapshot mm-hmm. of what was really happening. Because, again, like I said earlier, we were coming out of disco era and early MCs were the Busy Bees and the mm-hmm. party MCs, even Cold Crush Brothers. Like it was it was more party. Like so mm-hmm. when the message came out, it changed everything because it was. Like people, people. Number one, the people who were living in this situation, people pissing on the street. You know, they just mm-hmm. don't, when all of, when they, when that mm-hmm. happened, they were like, "Yeah, that's that's what was happening." So they related to it. It became the first real, real uh, street poetry.
3: Mm-hmm. But then
1: also, for people living outside of it, they're like, "Wait, people live people live like that? Wait, wait, I don't live. I live over here, in this. I don't know that's happening."
0: Mm-hmm. So it
1: it it. it it was the beginning of, like Chuck D said, hip-hop's the black CNN, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's, that's where it started. He was They were like, I need to tell you exactly what's happening where I'm at. And mm-hmm. so um, it's the, the most important song in hip-hop history, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, even today you have people that still use that one little phrase in there, don't push me because I'm close to the you know, Edge. we all know it, I don't need to recite it, but you know, it's just something that continues to linger uh, within hip hop culture. I mean, I think you can go anywhere in the world and somebody know at least that part of the song mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. don't know the entire song. Uh, so that's just something that um, I wanted to ask you. Cause that was just on my mind and, you know, in line with that, you know, I think about, cause you were kind of heading there earlier, but I kind of want to bring you back there where you were talking about the, where you was going to say about when we talk about cadence uh delivery and flow you was going to do a, a, a you're going to compare the golden era i believe and then how it's different now but let me ask you a more a more a different question but kind of in that same context when you think about boom bap how do you think that has changed from you know let's say the golden era to now do you think there were some significant changes or do you think it has remained the same um I think that
1: there, I think there was just more of it. Like mm-hmm. we just like, like everything was a slight variation of boom, bap, mm-hmm. in Line, Right. It was like, it was like there, that was what it was. And then there was a slightly different lane here and there. And so everything that happened then, like now, like there still is dope boom, bap. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's when we probably me, but I'm sure you also when you when you hear it right away, you know you're like okay, like and, and that brings us back. So I just think it's still there, but it's not as commercially viable, obviously. Absolutely. Like if you listen to like static selecta, like he's does like all kinds of boom bap and mm-hmm. and you know he's got a lot of dope MCs on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he's not, he's not doing what you know the Drakes and the Wiz Khalifas or what I don't know whatever. whatever yeah, they are, yeah. mm-hmm. But I mean the boom bap is there. Um, but you know it's just like the boom. I just feels like you know the boom bap and from like ninety, you know ninety, I don't know what ninety two, ninety to 96-ish, mm-hmm. 91, ninety six ish, ninety one, ninety nine, ninety six ish. Like it had a space to live. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, EPMD was on the radio. Yeah, they were. Uh, EPMD was on the radio, you know what I mean? And, like, I was listening to, you know, I'm, I had the, the blank tapes, and I was, okay. mm-hmm. you know, blank tapes. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, recording yeah. Off, recording yeah. off
1: the radio, and I was hearing, in one in one hour, I could hear EPMD to Too mm-hmm. Short, to mm-hmm. Paris, to to Tribe Call Quest,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to Souls of Mischief.
0: Oh, man, you're getting back. That's you brought
1: out, but but but, but, this, <laughs> but but here's the thing though mm-hmm. they all were so different right mm-hmm. so when you're, talking, when you're talking boom bap then those six or seven people I just mentioned are all pretty much boom bap era even though they were all so different from each other so you take you go to now and if you have boom bap if you have boom bap now like say a static album mixed with a you know a hairy fraud or a, or a Pete, like they all kind of are a little bit similar you mm-hmm. know what I mean? even the boom bap now is like trying to be a little bit like the boom bap them but all the boom bap now <laughs> uh, it, it's all similar rather than then tribe was so different than pe which was so different than bdp which was so different than you, you know x clan or you know <laughs> to all of that right so it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a funny thing it's a funny thing
2: and can, can i can, can i just add can you please please bring back the drums <laughs>
0: drums have, the yeah, drums we have need the drums break. back we need the drums back
2: we need the drums back
1: <laughs> drums have taken a little break seems like <laughs> the first time i really heard it was uh, uh anchovies was, mm-hmm. um yeah, that Anchovies album. And it, the reason why they called it Anchovies was because it was like, well, Anchovies, not every, not for everyone, which, which was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Taste, a, but, yeah. but, you know, there's a lot of people that have done that. It, yeah, it'll come back. I, th- I think the drum list is kind of starting to play out now.
2: Um. So what, what programs... Workshops and classes are you offering um, aspiring young rappers?
1: Uh, yeah, that's actually, especially since COVID, it's really opened up a lot more through, you know, the Zooms and all that. Um, I, do, I do a workshop called Breaking Through with Bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it usually is, is like four weeks. We meet once a week but my workshops are like, I go in like three hours. Like I'm, I'm doing like two and a half, three hours. Um, we're doing writing techniques. We're doing prompts. We're doing lessons. I'm teaching them different styles and techniques about rhyming. Um, and I'm doing it with them. It's really usually an intimate thing. I, I try to keep it pretty intimate because I uh-huh. has have so much to say. Um, but I do something called breaking through with bars. I do something called raising, uh, raising your bars, uh, which is kind of the continuation of that. Um, and so, yeah, it's all through Rhymecology. And um, we have different, yeah, we got a lot of different levels. We've got some really experienced MCs. We've got some kind of beginner MCs, but we always find a balance. We always find a balance. And it's always it's always just a lot of, lot of love, a lot of positivity, and a lot of, like, pushing you. I, I push you to get outside of your writing box because we as artists oh. – we get so comfortable in our boxes. We're so comfortable in them, right? Mm-hmm. Like we if you if if I grab this notebook right here and I start to write on the page, it's often gonna be in a similar cadence or it's gonna be in a similar uh similar they might even be similar words, you know. Um so what Rhyme Rhymecology is not only is the lessons, but I also push you to go outside of your box so that when you come back into your box you're more comfortable and you can bring those tools into your comfort zone.
0: So if someone is interested in take advantage of your workshop, which we'll probably dive a little deeper, how can, I just want to kind of plug it right now since we're here, how can they take advantage of your workshops or how can they get in contact with you to attend your workshops? Uh, Rhymecology.com. Okay. Rhymecology.com. I, to be honest, like,
1: I, I pretty much do all my stuff on Instagram lately. Okay. Um, okay. It's kind of scary because I think like if it, if that goes away, like I got I, I got nothing else really going. Like I <laughs> quit Facebook. I uh, anyway. So, uh, but in, uh, Instagram is is where I usually get most of my clients from. Okay. Um, I also do one on one one on ones because not everyone wants to be in the group setting. So. Yeah. I have a lot of individual clients that I work with, like, okay. um, and so we we create uh, uh, usually three, four to five song concept EPs, um, and I, from start to finish. Uh, and so, with working one on one, not only do you get the the rhyme the rhyme help, you get the guidance and direction, but you also get the the mental health. You get the you get the the therapist part of me in case you need it. Some people don't think they need it it's all good but it's there um if we need to break through anything in order to create the dopest product i so,
3: think
0: oh yeah. i think that's i think that is needed in hip-hop we talked about it um on a previous episode where i was you know i brought up um dmx uh, the song slipping because you can kind of feel some of the pain well it's kind of perfect for you actually because i know that's what you do you can kind of feel the pain that was in the song and I feel like one of the challenges we have for hip hop as a whole is that we're losing too many giants and it's based on some of them not getting the mental help that they need, you know, men are dealing with mental health issues. um, It kind of gets swept under the rug because we're we're encouraged to think that if we deal with mental health, it's a taboo thing. Like you can't have any problems because you got to have this tough guy image, a tough woman image, and we're not able to get help. You know, it's like it's wrong to do that. So again, I'm glad that you're doing that. I want to kind of talk about what you do in a little more a little more detail. Um can do you think that can music and lyrics affect the human body physically, emotionally, spiritually and mentally since we talked about your clientele I just want to kind of dive a little deeper into that aspect of it.
1: Yeah. Um
0: can lyrics affect the human like the body? Human, yeah. Physically? emotionally spiritually or even mentally yeah you can you can speak to one you don't have to speak yeah no
1: i i I definitely think so Mm -hmm. um you know like like i said earlier when when i when i heard uh when i heard cube say fuck the police it affected me because he was saying fuck something exactly and and i was a kid saying (laughs) what the whatever i was in a different world i was I didn't have police problems I didn't have nothing like that mm-hmm. but I was saying fuck something mm-hmm. so that <laughs> affected me that hit me that that really did like uh, you mm-hmm. know, Master Ace has got this track also uh when I look in the mirror I don't know who I see I don't know who I be like uh am I really moving at all cuz I swear I can't tell if my life is improving at all mm-hmm. And when I heard that at that time, I cried Uh because I was in the exact same place. Uh Um, And so if you're talking about, you know, physically, that's a physical thing. I was, I was crying. I was crying. And, um, um, and you know, and so, yeah, a yes to all of those things. And that's, that's why music is, is what it is. And it's, Unfortunately, you know, sometimes it, it's such a business that we get away from what's really touching. Um, but, yeah, uh, every kind of music, obviously.
0: But uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that because you, you were saying how and, you know, and I appreciate you being honest about that because some people won't admit that they cried over a song. It's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just glad that you admitted that because I think that we need to show the emotional side of how music impact. I mean, like every time I have a down moment when I'm going through some, you know, I, depression or anything like that, I throw that slipping on real quick. And then I'll mm-hmm. be like, okay, I can relate to that. And then that gets me out of my state of state of mind and gives me some type of encouragement to keep going on. Well, because it, we- mm-hmm.
1: Is it because at the end of, isn't it isn't it the hook, slip and fall and can't get up? But isn't at mm-hmm. the end of the hook, is I'm going to get back on my feet so I can tear shit up? Is it, is exactly, it, exactly. If you didn't have that, you would probably, mm-hmm. yeah. if you, the, yeah, you needed that part to bounce you up, right? Yeah,
0: like you said, that last part, I, I get back up because you most of the time, you know, sometimes you hear some music make you more depressed, but you need something right. that's going to say, get your get your ass up and keep moving because you know you get stuck. You know, what I'm saying and that's why again, I, I I'm glad that we're dealing with the mental health aspect because that's very important. I think that is key to really get us moving in the right direction because it's one thing to write a rhyme. But it's another thing to be able to relate to people with your rhymes, and you know that's what you're talking about. You're talking about being relatable. Um, that's what when you said about Ice Cube. I mean, not Ice Cube, N.W.A. When they said "fuck the police," you might didn't have that like experience, but you was glad to say "fuck something." Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think all of us have something we want. I know at that time I was saying "fuck the police" because that's what <laughs> I was dealing with in my upbringing. You know, right. being in the South and you know dealing with some of the issues that were there. But even then, just the idea of someone was bold enough to say "fuck the police" or say "fuck," period. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Other than talking about a woman or another person, but saying something that's considered a power struggle in society. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to kind of continue to dig into what we're talking about now. Do you believe hip hop has the potential to? I know we kind of say that it 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 can it can reach us on different levels, but do you think it has the potential to heal us, help help us with mental issues? and systematic challenges do you think it has that potential based on your experience i do okay i do
1: um i think i think i think i think you summarized it with that with the slipping hook okay because um sometimes you can get lost in a song that's depressing mm-hmm. as you're depressed, right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes like uh, say like a Talib song, like that Get Up get up song where mm-hmm. it, stop smoking, stop drinking, <laughs> all, all that yeah. stuff, it's all up. Right? Mm-hmm. But the sweet spot is when you can say, and this is what I try to work with some of my clients on, is like let them know that you're like them. Mm-hmm. Let them know that you're going through what they're going through and then show them the other side one verse here, one verse here, one verse down, one verse middle, third verse up, mm-hmm. ding, ding, ding. Um, so I think that that's that sweet spot. And obviously there's been a lot of songs like that, um, but it seems like the majority is usually kind of slanted one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I think that that slipping hook was perfect. Cause when you said, you know, you listen to slipping when you're depressed, I started to mm-hmm. think, why would you listen to that? And then I remembered the last line of the hook mm-hmm. and like, I get back on my feet so I can tear shit up.
0: Exactly. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. Yeah, Test
2: I always go back to uh, Renegade. You know, okay. Jay-Z said, I came to the fork in the road and went straight. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that, Don't. that, that Don't. always resonates with me. Mm-hmm.
1: Don't. He, he, it, in his early days, he had some emotional songs towards mm-hmm. the towards the end of the album i always remember like regrets and, mm-hmm. and uh, regrets yeah regrets was one of them mm-hmm. and master ace had no regrets Oof, that was mm-hmm. also <laughs> yeah 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 so <laughs> so but you know and i always talk about this with master ace it's like there's no um self-deprecation anymore mm-hmm. like, it's, sure. it's less now than ever so when you're asking that question, it's like it's less self-deprecation, less less humility, less vulnerability. Like even though MCs were hard in our in our early in our golden era days, for some reason they also seemed vulnerable. I mean, is it just uh-huh. it seemed like they also had that vulnerability. Like even Ghostface, you know, pl- mm-hmm. plug, plug, plug and roaches out the cereal box, mm-hmm. like saying saying that I mean, we had to share a pair of pants, like saying Mm -hmm. that is vulnerable in itself Mm -hmm. now can you can you imagine some like new MC come uh, you know some new MC coming out saying they had to share his pants like they're not going to do that they're not going to do that do that and um, i think that's why there's a little less relatability in, Mm in my my humble opinion because we also got to watch you know, Ghostface come from that to something else.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: have to watch Nas go from the street poet to Nas Escobar to Nasir Jones, etc.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I just like it seems like now they're coming in, they're wanting to be Nasir Jones rather than mm-hmm. uh-huh. Nasty Nas, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. they want to be Sean Carter, but they don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Z with with the gold tooth. Mm-hmm. You know uh-huh. I mean? Like, like there's yeah. it feels like may, most. From my humble opinion, it seems like, like you're skipping steps, skipping,
0: well, skipping steps. Well, they definitely are. Um, there was something I saw recently, since you mentioned Jay-Z, where he said people want to emulate my success, but they don't want to emulate the process, uh, which is pretty much said. in line with what you said, because yeah. that's everybody want to skip over the struggle. They just want to get to the glamour and glitz, you know, but that's not really how life, how life works and how life operates and there's an evolution i mean you start off one way and then you evolve because you have different life experiences you have one experience where you don't have money and then you have an experience where you get some money and you speak to those things and that's just all part of the relatability aspect um but you know i want to talk more about psychological aspects of what you like um when you're providing therapy How do you use that with hip hop? Can you just kind of describe? I know you you don't have to go into details Uh, or mention your client's name or anything, but just kind of give us take us through so you kind of touched on a little bit, but I just want to dive a little deeper as far as how you use hip hop. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm, I'm a I'm a trained mental health uh, professional. So I I I mean I get people. I get I get what they're going through. I'm and and I'm able to call it out. So we call we we can call it out, we can talk about it. Um and we, so we we have like a therapeutic discussion. like it'll say you're instead of, but instead of sitting on the couch paying $400 dollars an hour to a psychologist, you're sitting talking with me, and we're, our goal is to eventually write a rhyme about this. So it makes it less threatening. It makes it more exciting because you heard you've heard you've heard your favorite artists be vulnerable on a track. You've' heard, mm-hmm. you, you've heard some of the hardest MCs, you know, talk about their struggles. So it's say it's safer, it's 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 more reasonable to uh, for you to do it because you've seen it done. And so if you're working with me, someone who gets mental health as well as rhyme writing, we just come we combine the two. Um, yeah, like I just did. A, I worked with a young woman who said she could never let anyone get close to her. Mm-hmm. So from that one sentence, we created a whole EP called Close. Okay, and dope. and so close also meant the walls in her apartment are too close, and 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 the closing in, and all these different iterations of the word close and closing and all that stuff. And so, um, it's 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 so dope. It's just so dope when you hit and connect with someone, and they open up to you, and then you're able to make art out of it. I mean, it's. It's the
2: best thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely—I can say—it's definitely the friend's benefit. Yeah.
2: So, um, what do you say to people that claim um, negative music and lyrics can influence or cause misogyny, rape, drug use, drug selling—you know, crime, death—you know, they everything in the world that anybody's ever seen in the hip hop record is. The cause of everything that's happening in the world right
1: now um, I say that society influences the music more than music influences the society that's that's my simple answer um, you know i it, you know i it, it's obviously there's sometimes you know you know you know variations to the rule but i you know back to nwa again when they came out they talked about what was happening
2: uh-huh
3: and
1: you know we, some people didn't know about that some people didn't know what was happening so they uh-huh. literally wouldn't have created straight out of Compton with all that they talked about if that wasn't happening so i i just think society influences music more than music influences society um it's probably a little bit blurry now because people are trying to emulate what our golden era heroes did to get there like we just kind of talked about Mm -hmm. um but i in general i think that that's the rule so i i'm not gonna say that i mean let me think i mean was I drinking 40s in high school because Snoop and Dre did it in the video? Yeah, actually, I probably was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's probably a little bit of both. You know, when, when they opened the f- freezer and G thing and it was filled with filled, filled, <laughs> that's, that's what. I, so that, obviously, I think there is a little bit of both, but I'm going to lean towards, no, I, society is, influences more
0: yeah. uh, than the other way around. I agree with you, because I do think that music has an influence because, you know, you want to see like, you know, when Run DMC was wearing the Adidas, I still haven't figured out how they wore the the Adidas without the shoestrings. But, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But, um, you know, when they wore the when they had the Adidas shoes and I felt that I wanted to buy a pair of Adidas. I wanted to wear some shell top Adidas. And then, like you said about you saw the 40s. We didn't have 40s in Florida. We only had a court, but I had my court. you know try to drink and you know fit in because we want to fit in you know societal desires we want to fit in but i I agree with you i think society has more influence uh more so than the music influence in society as a whole um i do want to kind of i know and i'm glad you kind of spoke to that but i kind of want to talk i I don't want to switch the, the current too much but I do want to acknowledge some of your achievement because I, I know that you have worked with the NBA. I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. And then we're definitely going to go back into the psychological aspect of what you do with Rhymecology. Um, so,
1: no, nah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say I worked with the NBA. I, okay. I uh, like I said earlier, you know, I made that track about Kenny Smith on inside the NBA. Okay. And, and they, 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 they played it on there, and okay. it was it was it was a big moment. And mm-hmm. I've made some. What do I do? I've, I've had I've had tracks played at the Staples Center. I made some songs about the Lakers. Okay. You know, so I, but I wouldn't have. I don't have a relationship with them. But I've had okay. some fun moments. Like I I made a track about the Dodgers. They played it at the Dodger Stadium. And okay, I've had some cool things happen in sports, no doubt about it. Um, but you know, it's just one man. I'm just a one-man show, just just grinding and <laughs> waiting,
0: hoping these good things happen, which once in a while they do. And I meant, and I stand corrected. I meant to say inside the NBA, so thank you for clarifying that for me because mm-hmm. we definitely want to make sure we say it right here on Powerful Impact. But the good thing about it, you were part of it. You was working and doing something connected to the inside the NBA, and you and you were able to make a powerful impact in that arena. So that's great, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people don't have that experience or they can't speak to that. Uh, I kind of want to go back to some of the, your, your, um, your brand, Rhymecology, also your name as an artist, as you mentioned earlier. Um, if you were not, just kind of want to give you a chance to dream outside of your current role. If you were not a lyric masterclass or if you were not a lyric masterclass teacher, what would be some other interests or careers you would like to pursue or explore? And if you, answer the, if you wanna answer the why, you can. If not, you can just say what, what you would wanna do. All
1: right, so if I wasn't a Rhymecologist, what would I wanna do? Yes. <clears throat> um, I often think uh, the, the, the two things that I sometimes think is, well, there's three, probably three things that I probably mm-hmm. could have been. Um, probably a DJ. I could okay. have been a DJ, just um, and I could see me getting all, all into the roots of songs and where songs came from, just mm-hmm. like I do with the rhymes. OK, I don't focus on that as much because I'm so much over here, but mm-hmm. I could do that. Um, uh, uh, I probably could have been a psychologist, like an official sit down on the leather couch. Uh, OK, marriage and family therapist. Um, I had the choice to do that, but I chose to create rhymology instead. Um And then I probably could have been like some kind of like Designer of some sort like interior designer. I don't know why I just okay. I I Can push it together All right, those are those are my three things I think
0: Okay, and I don't want to have you move too, you know move too far over But I just looking at some of the pictures you have on your wall there and that kind of just give me an idea of your taste and things like that. What are some of those images you have back there? Uh, Cause you've kind of talked about interior design. You talked about that. You would uh, like to be a psychologist. I'm just kind of curious. What are those, what do those images mean to you or what they, what do they portray about rhyme Do they have any significance? My, my wife actually painted these. Oh, she did. Okay. See, it's good. We talked about it. Give us yeah, some I think I, 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 I picked okay. pick,
1: pick the place they go, but, OK, she's got this fun one over here. This one over here is his this okay. face, face here. And it says it okay. says on there, I always wanted to be something great. And, okay. then it says, and then it says on the bottom, I should have been more specific.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's a good mm-hmm. one. This That's a good, good one. All right. So,
1: um, OK, dope. dope. Yeah. And then uh, anyway,
0: so, yeah. So but um, yeah, those are those are a few things. Those are a few OK. Things. Okay, great. Great. Thank you for sharing your wife photos with I mean wife yeah. images with us. Thank you for doing that and sharing that um uh, that's that um uh, picture as well and just finding what it says on it. Um I just want to kind of ask you about lyricism because I know that's been the the thing we talked about the most. Do you think lyricism has improved or diminished over time because both Okay. Both okay.
1: 100% both. Um hundred percent, both. like, okay. so like, like, if you look at like, you know, you want, look at some of these battle, these battles, battle rappers, like, mm-hmm. you know, Chilla, Chilla Jones or, uh, disaster. I mean, the, what they're doing with their words is crazy. Mm-hmm. You, couldn't, you couldn't have done that a long time ago. Um, so, uh, you know, in the, again, you know, the L's eyes and the Mickey's and the Royce, the five nines and, what yeah, I mean what and what Eminem is doing with his words even though I don't enjoy to listen to him anymore his okay. words are still amazing okay. like, I, think, I think lyricism is at, it's at a there's more techniques and tools and all this stuff and I it's very impressive for those people who are at that level mm-hmm. and probably the common the everyday Joe Schmo is probably more advanced than you know Probably even the average rapper was, mm-hmm. you know, in the late '80s or whatever. Um, so I'd say it has improved.
0: Okay.
1: But it also has. In. It's also just. It's also gone to shit at the same time. It's so weird. Okay. It's also to <laughs> shit at the same time
0: because. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Do you think it's the mumble rap that's making it go to shit as you said or do you think that's what's contributing to it going to shit or just the overall Direction or trends that are happening in the culture. That's making it go to shit. Yeah, I don't know. I
1: mean the mumble rap is I think that's just like a microcosm of okay the entire culture because hmm, Probably even if they were rhyming coherently they still would be saying similar things. Mm. So the delivery isn't as important as the message and the lack of introspection, you know, I mean, can you, can, can you imagine like the top 10 groups coming together to create, you know, we're all in the same gang or Mm -hmm. self-destruction now, Like, like they don't have that, Introspection. It doesn't feel to me like they have that introspection and Mm -hmm. and um, vulnerability. Like I don't enough. It feels a little different in that way, and so that's why I think lyricism has that. In that way, lyricism has dropped down. Mm -hmm. The the techniques, the tools, the all that stuff has gotten a lot better. Um, But the feeling—that's what Mm -hmm. it is. All right, I put my finger on it. Okay, that's the feeling feeling is not there. We don't have that emotional connection. Mm
0: -hmm. We don't have that emotional connection. Do you think that that's something that can change in hip hop in the next three to five years, as far as there being some emotional where we can have an emotional connection or artists or MCs in this case may be more vulnerable or more emotionally um, available. Uh, sure, for the audience, do you think do you think we may head in that direction? I know you said sure, sure which is just yeah, answer. I, think, yeah mm-hmm. I
1: think I think so because there's always cycles. Um mm-hmm. and you know, the powers that be or whatever need to you know allow that to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they start seeing the when they when they start seeing the um the, the heads of the class do it, mm-hmm. people, people will follow in line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I definitely could see that happening. And because we've been in such a yeah. thing here, mm-hmm. it's, it's only bound to go that way.
0: Yeah, that's what I think, too. I think that we're starting to, this is my opinion, I think we're starting to see a rebirth in the culture. I feel we're kind of going that way. I, I believe there's a battle within hip-hop right now like you have the new voices versus the old voices. I hate to use it in that context, but I think that's the best way to describe it because it seems like there's like, because I know I deal with a lot of people in Europe and over there, they, they really, you know, they, they get into the trap. Now, don't get me wrong. They are getting into it. You have gigs, you got other people like that. But I really see there's an appreciation over there because they're still breakdancing, They're still beatboxing, you know, and it, DJing, DJing is still significant over here because there are MCs that are bringing that back to the forefront. But you definitely see that there's that battle that's going on right now. I want to kind of make this a little more connected to you as far as the project, I mean, as far as um, your trajectory, where do you see yourself in three to five years from now, as far as your, as, Ryan, as far as Ryan Collegey goes?
1: goes? Um, doing similar things that I'm doing now, but okay, on a you. bigger level, bigger platform uh, much more clients um, more notoriety and more uh income <laughs> okay yeah
0: absolutely. So i'm doing
1: I'm doing all my favorite I'm doing what I want to do mm-hmm. um, I just I can just see it being like uh I can just see it being bigger
0: mm mm-hmm. see it being being bigger okay well s p we I'm glad SP went around. We said something about Eminem, because that's a she's a stand. So she would <laughs> you probably got into an argument with her on that part. But you know, um, okay. but you know the good thing about it, we're just we're grateful for um the conversation we had thus far. Okay. So I want to talk about your experience with um how did you end up writing for um and with Will I Am of the Black Eyed Peas? How did that come about? um
1: i i had wrote some uh copy like i wrote he he was creating these headphones okay and i wrote some i wrote some uh, copy for the headphones mm-hmm. because he you know he's 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 a hip hop guy like he used to be a backpacker right oh, you know yeah, mm-hmm. like he he was he was that guy freestyling cyphers everything um so when Anyway, so I, I wrote something that he related to. And then one day I got to meet him in his office. And you know, usually people get five minutes of his time at the most. And we just talked hip hop for like 90 minutes, just like we're kind of doing now. Um, and you know, he could tell I where I was coming from that I come from a genuine place of love for this art form, and we just connected and then I just started spitting for him right there in his kitchen. Oh, well, it's a crazy kitchen, by the way. It's crazy office. I don't even know how to explain it. It's called the future. But um, anyways, I just, I'm like, hey, can I kick this for you? And I kicked a rhyme or two. And then uh, one of them was this piece called race where every, every line I had had an acronym for race. Uh Um. Oh, i'd love to hear them me too yeah <laughs> and then and then and then i kicked one called nra um, oh dope which had a which was the same idea i was like you know we, we keep calling but they never really answer you know negligent mm-hmm. rude assholes killing kids like they were cancer so okay. everything was you know all the way through like for you know 16 20 bars mm-hmm. or whatever And so, like, you know, people around him don't write like that. So he was like, he wanted to do, you know, something about the school shootings. And he ended up um, recording this video and uh, using my poem, NRA. And he brought a bunch of kids in and they all recited this poem and all that stuff. That's dope. Yeah. Turns out he didn't release the video because that's just, I guess, the business that whatever, um, but I was sitting in the studio with him. He's, like, yo, Jay, what rhymes with this? What rhymes with that? And I, you know, it was it was a crazy cool moment in life.
2: Yeah. So, uh, what's what uh, song or collaboration is your is, is your top? You know that. For me? Yes.
1: You know, it's, it's all the stuff that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff that's coming. The, the, I think the thing with, I just did with Master Ace is probably a dream come true, because he's, he's always one of my top three rappers. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine too. I just love mm-hmm. what he does with his stories and concepts, and to record a concept track with him. Uh, it's the dream come true. Um, to to go bar for bar with Mickey Fax on this <laughs> is uh, is crazy because I I went so deep into the wordplay. Um, like I'll give you the first I'll give you the first quatrain. It was like uh, I said. Okay. Uh, uh, um, oh, you want you want bars today? I'm usually the one rocking a poem. I'm going bald, you say, yeah, I come off the top of the dome in the zone, playing jazz records, locked up at home, you see me and Mickey together, that's Stockton, Malone, so it was like, so it was like jazz- I was locked I was locked up at home listening to jazz records in twenty twenty mm-hmm. Mickey's black, he's mm-hmm. Carl Malone, I'm Stockton, mm-hmm. yes. you know,, and you so talk
0: like, ass. yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you.
1: And in, in the zone yeah. but like all like i had to mm-hmm. like everything was like had to be a double triple meaning yeah, um mm-hmm. and so like so i like it was like that for like six thirty two bars and he came in with his and so i those are probably the two biggest ones i did i got a track with wordsworth as well which was also uh very cool because we collaborated on this concept track but i you know I, all, all three of those are like dreams come true for me just someone who was just like a fan who's just kind of like worked my way in and built relationships and never asked anyone to do anything in my whole life Mm -hmm. and then I was was like you know I do know a few people and then I was like
2: "Uh, could I get you you
1: know could we do this and so I it's it's just a dream come true for me
2: it seems so it seems like Mickey does it so effortlessly effortlessly
1: no, he's it's it's insane. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he's a, it, it is insane. I listen to him freestyle sometimes. Uh, you know, when he he just freestyles on IG, and I'm like, this guy, it, just the pure skill of him is something that should be admired.
1: It's 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 just he's got a lot of levels and there's a lot of great rappers. But as far as people who put words together consistently that have two to three to four meanings, I just haven't heard anyone else who does it like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think lyricism um, has improved? Over the years
1: um well i think yeah actually i think you might have, we were just talking about that a minute ago i think yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was just saying that it uh techniques and tools and schemes and patterns have but we're missing the the feeling has really uh-huh. the feel we've really lost the feeling so I,
2: yeah
1: it's a two it's like a yes and a no
2: because i remember listening to uh Brenda had a baby. I was listening to that yesterday. And to this day, I still get teary when I hear
1: that song. I grew and, up in a home where no one liked me. Moms would hit the pipe and every night she'd try to fight me. Papa was a nasty old man like the rest. He's feeling on my chest. with his hands on my dress? Was this a test? Yes. I don't deserve this. I'm nervous. I'm missing class, but every day I'm missing periods. I mean, you know, I thought of pregnancies in my head and now I'm fearing this. Fuck. One of the best verses I've ever heard yeah. in my life. That Bach mm-hmm. was great, but that she stole the show, one hundred percent. I write about that in my book. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you want to talk about vulnerability and therapy? Listen to that verse. Yeah.
2: And I remember uh, when I first heard when I first heard that song because the uh, because it was such a. Uh, let, me,
1: let, me ap- let me Let me jump in and apologize. I was talking about part-time mother when I did that verse. The part- oh yeah, I, I was reciting part-time mother, not Brenda's got a baby. Yeah, no, same, same album.
2: <laughs> I, I know. I was spending t- I, That's the one I was talking about.
1: Yeah, those are both. Both of those songs are uh, so powerful. Yeah. Compa- uh, and compare that to "All Eyes on Me." It was just fluff, fluffy beats to me. It was just so different. Everyone's like, all eyes on me. And I'm like, I like all of his albums more than that one, personally, just because, you know, the content and the feeling that he had on those first three albums.
2: Yeah. And then
1: even on Machiavelli. Yeah. For
0: some reason, that all eyes on me, the most popular one is, you know, I don't know, it's just different. You know what? You know what? You know what song that kind of appealed to me? I'm, a you know, Tupac is one of my favorites. But one song that he did have on that went unnoticed noticed um, on the All Eyes On Me was Brent. I mean, Can You Get Away? It was about a woman who was in an abusive relationship. He yeah. was trying to rap, you know, trying to get her and try to be with her and stuff like that. What's wrong with your eye? Why you got on glasses? Yeah, yeah. So you 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 know what I'm talking about. So I do feel that that one song did show some vulnerability. But you can if you compare the previous uh, Pac albums, you can definitely see a difference in those. But you know why? We can we can speak we to know. that. We can we can dig deeper into that. <laughs> We definitely have a part two for that one, but for sure, yeah. Um,
2: what do you think about the the ageism and the gender gap in hip hop?
1: It's weird because, like, well, I don't know. I I feel like it's we're. I feel like we're not letting go. Like, we're, we're not letting our heroes go. So that's good. And there's still a lot of great people in their 40s making incredible stuff. You know, Master Ace is 53 or 52, 53. And he just had an incredible album last year with uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. And he continues Ooh, to make incredible crazy, albums. Crazy, crazy album. And then, like, you know, people like, you know, the Apathy is still making very powerful, you know, people like that. Like, it's, they are still relevant to us even though kids might not listen to them but they're still making incredible stuff right so i understand the ageism but also it's a little weird because like you know rolling stones can put out a new album next year and they're like 80 and it's like hey brilliant you know you you get so it's a little bit different than like i guess the rock and the jazz and the country eras um so I mean i understand it but i also think that we're kind of fighting we're fighting it hard we're we're fighting back um and people like us are kind of still saying hey listen to this listen li- like we're we're not letting go and if if there was better stuff that was coming out we probably would like it but it's not better than what we've had you know get off my lawn <laughs>
2: And I always tell, I always tell my daughter. I say, when you're feeling, when you're feeling emotional, and you're feeling upset, or you're um, having a relationship problem, or you're, you know, or you're stressed out, I, I don't see you going to the Migos. I see you going to LL, and I see you going the Heavy D, and I see you reaching back into um, jay-z and you're going in the and the lady uh, you know the, the lady of rage you're you're not dipping into your generation of music you're going back to my generation of music so if that's the case then you have to see that something is missing right
1: yeah and that, And that I think the biggest thing that were we talked about is that While this, a lot of the techniques and styles are there now, the emotion and the feeling is missing. And it's not about saying I'm a bad bitch. It's about saying I'm a, I'm a hurt woman.
2: Yeah. It's not about saying,
1: you know, yeah. It's not, it's not about saying I'm the hardest MC. It's about saying I've got problems with my toxic masculinity, you know, like it's, and and I feel like they said we, they said that, in way, roundabout ways more before.
2: Yeah, I think uh, for some reason I think uh, I get that from one of the, the West Side Boogie. I get that kind of vulnerability from him. You know, where he, he's telling you about his life, but he's also telling you uh, how flawed he is. And even though he's flawed, uh, he's he still thinks that he should be where he is. And I think um, there's a lot of feeling in that, you know. He said when I told my I, I told my mom I wasn't gonna uh mess with no more ratchets. I lied. <laughs> you know, he he's just going, and, you know, you can tell um, he's growing up and going through and he's talking about it.
1: That's like that's like what happened. That's what what we went through with common. Like we, mm-hmm. we saw common grow from, you know, I had to halt with the malt liquor. Now my speech and thoughts quicker, like we like common. We watched Common grow from a young twenty year old, twenty one, twenty two year old to where he is now. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, some of, like you got to respect that when they're telling their story like that. Gene Gray, some of Gene Gray's albums with he mm-hmm. talks so, about her, you know,
0: all that she went through, like that. Mm-hmm. Talk about vulnerable. That that's it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Biggie had Suicidal Thoughts, you know what I'm saying? He had that song in his first album. So, you know, different things. He did. Mm-hmm. Lord Finesse.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: Um, I want to be remembered for being someone who loved the art, the craft and the art of rhyming and writing and hip hop and blended it with, um, psychology and helping people through their everyday struggles to bring back Biggie. Um, yeah. So I just think, I just think I want to be remembered for the guy who created Rhymecology and I was, I was one of the first people to really combine mental health and psychology and rhyme writing, I, I didn't really. There was only one or two people out, even that was doing that. Now it's getting to be much more popular. That's mm-hmm. I want to be uh, known as one of the one of the pioneers in that.
2: And um, name three of the most just um, name three of the most influential people that shaped your life to this point that made a powerful impact as a man, a hip hop artist, a teacher, and as a human being?
1: Um, Three people who influenced my life. I would say, say as a man, my stepfather Was um, very influential because he just held me accountable and said that you create your own reality. And like um, at a young age, I was, you know, taught that I create my own reality and about meditation and kind of like metaphysical things. And I think that that really helped shape a lot of the magic that I've in my life. Um, I got, a, a one of uh, a, a good friend named Ali Alamayu, mm-hmm. who, um, uh, I met in college who was writing crazy rhymes when I was just writing, uh, starting to write the sim- simplest stuff. And I was like blown away. I was like, how can I get to that stage? And we've been like really good friends ever since, but we bounce rhymes off each other you know for the last 25 years um and he's i probably wouldn't be where i'm at as a writer without him um so artistically that was he was really important and then um my my wife my wife jilly yeah she was she was she was a independent diy artist before they were even out she was selling records out the back of her trunk or oh. uh, touring the country just a real go-getter and so when i met her i was like i'm trying to do this thing rhymecology she's like no you are she's like, own it you are the rhymecologist and she um you know is she's amazing so she was major so jilly moon jilly moon So yeah, those are three. That's the big three.
2: That's a dope three. Mm. I don't think um, I don't think people take especially stepfathers, I think they get uh, a bad rap and it's always dope when I hear somebody big up their stepfather because it takes a lot of it, it, it's a lot to step in and form a relationship like that. Mm. So big ups to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knows nothing about hip hop at all, but but created me, helped
0: create me. So that's props. Props. Yeah. Props. yeah. Well, through you, he was able to make a he made a contribution to hip hop. So that's one thing we can <laughs> Give him props in that sense. You know, saying we we'll give him a, we're gonna make sure you step your step people, your stepfather gets some props. So yeah, you know, kudos to him, you know, saying salute. And I want to ask you, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Are there any shout-outs or projects you'd like to promote at this time? We want to give you an opportunity to share that with our audience.
1: Uh yeah, look, if if you want to if you want to break through with bars, if you want to, if you want to become a better rhyme writer and connect with a bunch of other consciously creative people, um, I do. I'm going to be doing workshops all throughout next year. Um, and so through rhyme, rhyme college website or rhyme college at Gmail or Rhymecology on Instagram. If that's something that you're interested in or know people who want to connect with other, dope MCs or just you know beginning MCs uh we can make that happen um or if you want to work with me one-on-one as a as a coach and get into you know um uh, both both uh un- tapping your potential as a human being as well as your rhyme writing not many people do both so that's what I do rhyme college.
0: Okay. So <sighs> Well, we definitely want to encourage anyone that watched this episode to go ahead and follow him on social media. And if you are an MC and you're looking to better your bars or connect with people that are, you know, like-minded people, this is a good – he created a great platform for you to get on in order for you to improve your skills. There's nothing wrong with being teachable or being taught because at the end of the day, we all learn and develop ourselves through other people. So he creates a perfect platform to do that. Again, we want to thank you for tuning in and supporting Powerful Impact. I'm Sorak, joined tonight by SP and Neb. We ask that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Tonight, you met the wonderful Jeff Walker, the creator of Rhymeology. His MC name is also Rhymeology. He's a rhyme master, rap coach, qualified mental health professional. And just want to let you know what Rhymeology is about. It helps people express, discover, and create themselves through the study and power of hip-hop lyrics and culture. We thank you for listening to Powerful Impact. We ask that you have a wonderful night. Thank you. And
2: all of his uh, contact information is going to be in the description. So if you want to hit him up, it'll be in the description, direct links.
1: There's a, yeah. And there, there are books. I got the book, The Art of Hip Hop Lyrics, if you want that. Or I wrote, I also wrote a book called Using Hip Hop to Heal. Okay, um, I got a shirt called Write Better Rhymes, DJ Premier. Dope. A bunch of people rock it. Um, you know, if you like that kind of merch, it's all on the website. Documentary, okay. tell them about the documentary. There, will be... nah, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did, they did a documentary on me that came out uh this year, actually. Okay, Dope. yeah, it's also you can find it on that rhymecology.com website. Show some of the work I do with artists. Also, some of the work with youth in, in the communities. Um, some of the stuff I did with Fox Sports Radio. Um, yeah. Ah, thank you. I forget these things. Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: that's but what we That's we're what We're here doing. to
2: remind you and make up you.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> T-shirts, sweatshirts, caps, mugs, placemats, whatever. She got her. <laughs> got them on lock got them on smash well i want to i want to personally thank you for what you're doing for the culture and what you're doing for the youth because they need a a, need a place to go and someone to connect with that can connect them to hip-hop but doing in a positive manner so i want to personally thank you for that i don't know if you hear that too many times but i want to speak and i want to say thank you for what you're doing and you know and if there's any way we can help in what you're doing let us know we'll be glad to provide our support all right no doubt okay no doubt. All
2: right. We appreciate okay. you. Thank you so much.
0: Have a wonderful you. night. Thank you again for joining I'll, us Send
1: us. I might send you a couple gems on the uh some of the things that we talked about, the race poems or the whatever tracks coming up. All right. So good. Dope. Thank you. Right, thank you so much. Right.
3: Powerful Bye. impact. Boom. 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 We've made a powerful impact. You go out there and make a powerful impact. Peace.